this is shocking. So I am a mom with two young kids. I have a new job, and I am frying homemade gluten-free chicken nuggets for my son because it's the only protein that he will eat, and he likes them fried. And we're doing the new gluten-free, uh, dairy-free diet for him, which did work, uh, and there weren't as many choices back then for that. I was a little distracted. And I don't even remember what took me out of the kitchen. Um, it, it could have been a kid crying. It could have been the dog barking. Uh, Kyler and I talked about this last night, and I was thinking it was Curious George that was on the television. Uh, she told me it was Dora, the explorer. So, yes, I let my kids watch things other than Veggie Tales. Although we know all the songs. Anyway, it was Dora the Explorer not and not Larry Boy or Bob and Larry or my favorite, Lyle the Kindly Viking. Um, and I was only going to be gone for a few seconds. So I left the fries, the nuggets frying in the little frying pan on the, on the stovetop. Because what can happen in a few seconds? So whatever drew me out of my newly remodeled kitchen had to involve my daughter, Kyler, because when the smoke alarm went off and that smell of burning plastic and wood hit our noses, we both ran into the kitchen to see the stovetop and the surrounding cabinets fully glowing in flame, and my fancy new microwave convection oven over the top melting and dripping blip, blip, onto the stovetop. I yelled, oh, shoot! I didn't yell, shoot. And I grabbed the fire extinguisher, which was underneath the sink that my husband had put there, even though I told him, I will never use a fire extinguisher. And I put out the fire. I was a hero and a villain. And the kids were safe. And I opened the windows to let the smoke out of what was left of my kitchen. And I'm standing there looking at what's left of my newly remodeled kitchen, thinking, how am I going to tell my husband that the money, we, he's a banker, the money we just spent has literally gone up in smoke. And in the distance, I hear a fire truck siren. And I think that is God's funny timing. Someone else is having a fire emergency, and here comes the fire trucks. Um, and, and hearing the fire trucks is not uncommon. We live just off of a busy street, and there's a substation just right down. So we hear the fire trucks um, fairly frequently on the street. So as I continue to stand there pondering, can I scrape the microwave off of the stovetop? and finish cooking Thomas's nuggets? What are we really, what are we gonna have for dinner? 
I can't ask my husband to take us out to dinner now. What? Ay, ay, ay. And then I realized the fire sirens are getting a little bit closer. But again, the substation is on the street. That's not an uncommon occurrence. And then I realized that the fire siren is turning on the street where I live. And, and then I realized that the fire trucks are now stopped in front of my house. And... I, you know, I, I run to the door and I, and I open it up, but my daughter's little and she's faster than me, let's be honest. Um, and so she goes out to greet the firemen. Wide open arms. Her first word was hi, remember? Wide open arms, six years old. It's okay. My mom put out the fire. She yelled, oh, shoot. She didn't say shoot. She used the fire stinkature. Thank you, Kyler. So how did the firemen know that my kitchen was on, was on fire. I did not call them. I did not advertise my problem that I was having. And my across the street neighbor, Carol, saw black smoke billowing out of the vent on the roof from the kitchen. And she didn't come over to see what was wrong. She just called 911. Carol is a good neighbor. Yes. I mean, thanks for embarrassing me. It was awesome. Because <laughs> the fire was out. But that's not the point. She saw a need, and she filled it. She didn't wait for my permission. She just did it. So, ladies, the question as we go down the hill is, if you see someone with billowing black smoke coming out of their life, are you going to wait for permission or are you going to help? And also, because I know myself, if you have billowing black smoke coming out of your life and someone shows up at your door, are you going to let them help you? When they need to shine the light of Jesus on you, are you going to let them? That's a, that's a thing to ask, at least myself, because I don't like people to know that I don't have all my stuff together. This weekend, we have been getting ready to ready, set, glow. So we had, with the first slide, our first uh, night, Friday night, was God as light. And then on Saturday morning, we had the L. Light not only illuminates my kitchen, but it illuminates our hearts. And the darkness that sometimes we know that's there, or sometimes we don't even know there that's there. The darkness that we hide and that we need to pursue. I love that, like, two of those kids in the video. What did you learn this week? We have to read our Bible every day. Okay? We have to pursue the true light 
of Jesus. And then last night, oh, 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 our hope and trust in Jesus. He is our salvation. He is our rock. Even in those hard times. So today, we're at the W, and W, rise up and walk. As we head down the hill, you don't have to walk down the hill. You can get in your cars and drive. But once you get down there, we're going to rise up and we're going to walk. Today, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 9. What are we going to do with this light of Jesus that we have with us? And we were in Matthew 5 with the upside-down kingdom of the beatitude, all the things we're supposed to be happy about, being meek, merciful, poor in spirit. And then in Matthew 9, it is the story of Jesus healing the paralytic man. And getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, and lying, oh, a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blasphemy. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your heart? But Jesus, oh no, for which is easier? Listen, I mean, this, which is easier? To say, Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So, Three things, ladies, as we rise up and walk down the hill. Well, okay, no, rise up, get in your cars, drive down the hill, walk to wherever your homes and communities are. First thing that we need to think about, you need to show up. Show up where you are. When Jesus saw their faith, when the, the friends who carried him to Jesus, the friends who knew the paralytic story, they were involved in that man's life. Now, do not hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying adding some, add something to your already busy schedules. Okay, Busy does not equal important. Busy does not equal successful. Be present where you are. If you spend your time at home with your kids, be at home with your kids. Don't worry about the dirty bathroom. It'll still be there. And guess what? It'll be dirty again later. If you're working all day, 
five days a week, seven days a week, and you've got a day off, and you have this huge to-do list to do, but you know you're supposed to go see your mom. Go see your mom. Go spend time with people. And this is not just about your family or your church friends, although let's be honest, there's some church people who need the light of Jesus. I'm thinking more like, where are you working or when you go to Walmart, okay? What can you do while you're there to be the light of Jesus? If you have kids, you have kids' activities. You have sports and you have drama and you have music and you have, there's a whole different lesson about how you need to not do all of these crazy things. Um, and, then, and then it's a new season and you have a new sport that you're gonna do. When you're there, get off your phone and engage with other people. Ask questions, get to know their stories. Don't ask, you don't have to ask permission to ask somebody about the weather. Oh, sure is hot in Visalia. It's, ooh, 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 it's cooling off. It's only 99 degrees today, woohoo! It takes time and intention because honestly, it is easier to just sit in my car and wait for my kid to come out of practice. But it takes intention for me to get out of the car. I'm just speaking from my own life. I don't know where anybody else is. But when you're at work, it is easier just to like sit at your desk and eat your lunch instead of going somewhere else and finding someone to eat your lunch with, to engage in conversation. You have to be intentional. You have to make a plan. And the second thing after showing up where you are is you need to check your attitude. Matthew doesn't say anything about the paralytics, friends, but he's got something to say about those scribes. Right? He says, why are you thinking those things? And does he say, why are you thinking those things in your head? Why are you thinking those things in your what? Heart, in your lamp. Why are you thinking evil things in your heart? Slide four, Philippians 2.14. This isn't convicting at all. Do things without rumbling or disputing. Well, that there's no grumbling and disputing going on in the world right now. What? There's no political ads on the TV. I, I, I don't know. Social media, everybody's like, it's all unicorns and kittens right now. that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. What? Crooked and twisted generation? Again, in biblical times, they had crooked and twisted generation. In our time, we have a crooked and twisted generation. Hmm. Among whom you shine like lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 
that seems pretty self-explanatory without grumbling or disputing. I mean, because nothing says I love Jesus like crossed arms. And what does it say towards the end in 16? Hold fast to the what? Pursuing wise words of the Father versus those other voices that are out there. Priority time with God. Honestly, there's nothing to replace it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, I'm back in in Matthew, verse 2, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I've always wondered why it is their faith that Jesus, that Jesus focuses on and not the paralytic's faith. Why is it their faith that somehow saved the paralytic? But what it does do, it reminds me that my faith is important for somebody else. We need to use our faith to shine the light on others. God does the rest. And then the last thing we need to do is to offer comfort and compassion. Friends who cared enough about their friend, the paralytic, to take him to Jesus because the paralytic could not get there on his own. They saw the black billowing smoke and took him to Jesus. Friends who had compassion for his situation. Second, Second Corinthians 1, 2, I'm sorry, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort through which we ourselves are comforted by God. We receive comfort by God or from God, we got to just say yes to that comfort. We can't just keep trying to do it on our own. And then once we have that comfort, we're not supposed to sit on it. We're supposed to give that kind of comfort to others. We need to receive. As women, it's hard for us to receive. Anybody else? Because we're usually good about the giving part. But guess what? If we're good at giving and the women aren't good at receiving, (laughs) there's a problem. It's a two-way street. Then Jesus also asks a really interesting question in this. Which is easier, the forgiveness of sin or rise up and walk. Be 
because what does he do first? Does he, does he heal the paralytic of his affliction or does he forgive the sins first? He forgives the sin first. That I mean, that's that's the most important thing, right? The physical healing almost felt like an afterthought. It was almost like, oh, the scribes think I can't. So, okay, well, fine. Rise up and walk. And I don't know why the friends brought the paralytic to Jesus. It could have been for spiritual healing and not for physical healing. But it's obvious which one Jesus thinks is the most important. It's the spiritual healing. And I know he's Jesus, and he's fully God, and he's fully man, and so each of those things are the same amount of power to him, but he asked the question, which is easier, the forgiveness of sin or rise up and walk? How about this question? What's better, the forgiveness of sin or rise up? And walk. About five years ago, I really wrestled with that particular question, which is better for Jesus to forgive my sin, to change my heart and shine a light into all of that pride and judgment and contempt and control and all of those dark things, or cure Thomas of his autism. What did I really want? Because if I were the friends and Thomas was the paralyzed man, why would I be taking Thomas to Jesus? I'm honest with you, that answer changes back and forth. I, I am at a, I'm at a, I'm at the point where I still don't wish autism on any anybody. I'm st- I'm at a point still where, oh, man, I, I I wish we wish we didn't have this journey, but the growth that I personally have had, I don't know if it would have happened if I wouldn't have had a hard story like that. I hope you guys can kind of tease out where I'm headed with that. Because before Thomas, okay, so before kids even, I thought I knew what being a Christian was, okay? Being a Christian is is you have to be good, you have to go to church, you have to wear nice clothes, to church, and you have to say Christian things like, I'm blessed, praying a hedge of protection, washed in the blood of the lamb. That freaks people out, by the way. You say things like that. (sighs) All right? But I, I had this big disconnect, this gap between what I said I believed about God and what my behavior displayed. I believed about God. My favorite saying was not a Bible verse. My favorite saying was, revenge is a dish best served cold. And I would have given you a seven-course meal. But having kids created compassion in me that I didn't know existed. 
but having Thomas created a different level of understanding and compassion that honestly, I don't think I would have had otherwise. It's a different understanding of God's love for every single one of his children, even if they don't walk like me, talk like me, or think like me. Because he doesn't learn at the same rate as other people, and he doesn't respond quickly to questions, and his speech is hard to uh, understand. Uh, He stems. Um, Stemming is a a self-soothing type of thing, and for Thomas, as a a 17-year-old boy, he bounces, and he does this thing with his, his fingers. You might see people out and about who do that. It's called a stem. It kind of helps them uh, soothe when they're in situations. Uh, you might know people who tap their foot when they're nervous. You might twist your hair if you're nervous. Those are stems. We all have special needs. Some of us are just better at hiding them than others. Thomas has only said, I love you to me one time, unprompted. He doesn't earn, he doesn't do things to earn my love. I mean, but we don't expect people to earn our love, do we? (sighs) Which is better? Your sins are forgiven. Or rise up and walk. I continue to ans- ask myself that question. What about you? I'm going to leave you with one more story. So for, for Thomas, who's on the autism spectrum and has some speech and developmental delays, making friends, building community, uh, it isn't always easy. He really doesn't have the skill set to invite people in. So it feels like he is is purposely hiding his light under a basket. But really, it's that he doesn't have the greatest skill set, and he needs others to help lift that basket for him. But honestly, Is he really the only one who needs help lifting their basket? No. And the church that we attend does a summer camp, uh, camping on the beach in Ventura, California. And it's just our church kids, and it's tents, and they have snacks, and there's morning and evening worship, and they do tournaments, and there's snacks, and there's free time, and there's small group, and there's snacks. And the adults love and feed into these kids physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and it is a beautiful thing. Did I mention there were snacks? And this is like like homemade church lady cookie snacks, right? That's a whole, like, it's not Oreos. Not that there's anything wrong with Oreos. I'm just saying, if I have a chance to have Tracy Canada's lemon bars, I'm taking it. (sighs) And we want Thomas to experience the same kinds of things that his typical 
peers get to experience. But how would he respond to this camp stuff? A new location, um, different people, sleeping in tents for 24, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Honestly, I had the same question when Kyler was a freshman and, and we let her go to, to camp. Uh, do, as parents, do we ever stop worrying about our kids? No. So, but how do I show other people that Thomas is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God and that he has the light of Jesus in him if I hide Thomas from others under a basket? How do I show Thomas that he is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God and that he has the light of Jesus if I hide him under a basket? So, after asking our youth pastor, oh, 103 questions about beach camp, we decided that I would go, but I would shadow Thomas. So shadowing means that you kind of stay to the back and you don't interfere unless there is a problem. Or if Thomas, if someone needed to interpret what Thomas was doing or, or ask questions. So he slept in a tent. He attended worship services. Uh, he threw sticks at the boys because they throw sticks at each other for no reason. And we wanted him to shine the light of Jesus and build deeper relationships with the people in his youth group that he calls his church friends. And, of course, eat snacks because that's what you do. And the days at camp are very, uh, very scheduled. Uh, I said that there's, there's, they wake up, they have uh, breakfast, there's worship time, they have quiet time. But in the afternoon, there's free time where they get to choose to do uh, tournaments. They get to go down to the beach. They could take a shower. Please, Lord Jesus, take a shower. Or they can play games and do crafts in the activity area, which is generally where Thomas would spend his time. Thomas' favorite thing in slide nine, it was playing ladder ball. Ladder ball was one of the activities in that, in that um, activity area. And so Thomas every day would play ladder ball by himself next to a group of boys who would play this weird dodgeball game that you play inside of a like a six-foot fenced area. Gaga ball. But, but again, instead of throwing sticks, the boys throwing balls at each other. Apparently that's like more OSHA better. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assured that when the adults turn their backs, they're throwing sticks at each other inside there, but that's a different thing. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I watch the adult leaders help Thomas lift his basket. Thomas, come play on the volleyball tournament with me. Thomas, come do the washers tournament with me. And even on Thursday, when Thomas had had enough of people and of all the activities, and he called one of his youth group leaders a PG-13 word, 
the adult leaders continue to love and feel and help Thomas lift his basket. But what I, as a mama, was hoping for was for one of his church friends to help him lift that basket. Now, do not hear what I am not saying. His church friends are awesome. They are kind to Thomas. They include him in their small group uh, discussions. One of the boys we actually call the Thomas Whisperer because even in junior high, Jacob could figure out what Thomas was saying and what he needed. And Jacob didn't think this was a, a spiritual gift at all, but I'm telling you, it was. And his small group leader will tell you it was. It's amazing. And, and it is a lot to ask a high schooler to look outside of themselves and to see people on the fringes. Because as adults, we're super awesome at that. So all of these things are going through my mind as I shadow Thomas on a, a, a Thursday afternoon and he's playing ladder ball by himself again next to the boys playing gaga ball in the fence. He wants to play but doesn't have the skills to ask and invite himself in. And then I hear a voice in my head say, when's the last time you helped someone lift their basket? When's the last time you called someone who was having a hard time? When's the last time when a friend came to you and said, hey, someone at work just ha has a kid who just got an autism diagnosis. What can I do for them? And you say something like, well, Here's my email address. Have them email me because I'm not going to give them my phone number. Oh, how awkward would that be for me? Or would I just, or could I just ask for their phone number and call them? I hate it when the Holy Spirit convicts me of a giant log in my own eye when I'm trying to pick the speck out of some poor, unsuspecting high school boy's eye. So back at beach camp, Friday morning, it's before breakfast. The students are kind of milling around. It really honestly looks like zombie apocalypse by now. Uh, Thomas is in the game area doing what he was always doing. He's playing ladder ball by himself. He seems content, but my heart aches for him just a little bit. But then, one of Thomas's church friends came over and played ladder ball with him. Maybe lasted three minutes. I don't remember breathing. But the look on Thomas's face was the reflection of the light of Jesus 
coming from that high school boy. <sighs> that was last year. So this year, I went again, and I shadowed, but I tried to stay back even further, kind of forcing more independence on, on Thomas. It would have been a great uh, vacation, if not for sleeping in a tent and the beach and the wind and 60 high school students roaming around. <sighs> I'm so selfish that way. Um, and I don't have as much observational data because, again, I tried to stay further away. But I can say that Thomas did not participate in activities unless he was encouraged by adults. He flat out would not play the washers tournament at all. That was way too loud. And he still, uh, still played ladder ball by himself next to the boys who were playing gaga ball over here, but we had two steps forward this year. Uh, the first step was the other uh, students in the high school group, instead of just walking by Thomas, would say good morning and have greetings with him. Hi, Thomas, how you doing? Hey, Thomas, how's ladder ball today? Hey, Thomas, what, what snack are you gonna get? And he would respond in a non in a non PG kind of way. It was fantastic, right? I mean, that might seem like a really small step to you, but I can tell you that personal interaction has been a long time prayer for us. And imagine. How do you feel when you hear someone say your name? How does that make you feel when someone greets you with your name? The second step is actually my favorite. When it was time to pray, Thomas would join the prayer circle unprompted or unasked by an adult to do so. And when someone offered a hand, he would take it. And he would actually offer his hand to a person if they weren't holding hands. This kid was a no hand holder kid. The kids at camp, they showed up, they checked their attitudes, they held fast to the word of God and they offered hands of compassion and comfort to each other. And I don't know where you are in this particular scenario as we uh, rise up and walk to our cars and drive down the hill and then get up and walk to our communities and our families. Um, maybe you're ready to let God heal a deep wound that you've had. Maybe your wound has a scar on it, and you're ready to help the next person see the way to go. Maybe you're going to offer a hand of compassion and comfort to someone. Maybe you're going to accept an offer of, of a hand of comfort and compassion. Maybe the only thing you're going to remember from this weekend is that Romans 8 is... 
and never get into the left side fast food drive through Maybe you're not going to wear gold clips in the firelight. And maybe you'll win the dog in the house versus dog outside fight. That's completely up to you. Only God knows your heart. But take Luke 11.33 with you down the hill. No one lights a light and puts it in a cellar or under a basket or in a drawer, but they put it on a stand so that all who enter may see the light.